Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Stacey Bellward, host of the Connected Families podcast. Welcome to our community. We are people committed to pursuing God's grace and truth for ourselves and then daily working to pass that grace and truth on to our children. I'm so glad that you're here today. Well, I have a question. Have your children been bickering lately? <laughs> if they have, this podcast is for you. You know, last fall, one of our partner churches hosted a Connected Families Parent Summit. That's a one-day event where we bring the speakers and the partner hosts the event. Well, during that Parent Summit, Megan Thorpe, a Connected Families Certified Parent Coach, did a workshop on sibling conflict, and we wanted to bring you an abbreviated version of that workshop today. You know, before I bring Megan on, though, I want to make sure that you've heard about the two free resources that we've offered in the last couple of weeks. They have been a hit, everybody. Like many thousands of people have gone and grabbed them. Both of the free resources are uncalming. One is for children and one is for parents, which make them very applicable to our conversation today about sibling conflict. Tap through to our show notes and you can get both of those free resources. Well, without further ado, Megan Thorpe, welcome to the Connected Families podcast. Hello, thank you. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm happy to have you on too. This is your time onto the podcast. It's yes, great. It is. I love the podcast. There's so much information. So I feel honored to be able to give a little piece of that to, to people today. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, give us a quick intro of your family. I want to hear the ages of your kids and all the things. Okay. Yes. My husband, Chad, and I have been married almost 18 years. We have three kids. My oldest son, Caleb, he's turning 13 in two days. So I'll have a, officially have a teenager, oh. which is really crazy to think about. My middle son, Reed, is 10 and he's in fourth grade. And then my young youngest daughter, Quinn, is she's in second grade and she's eight and a half. So that oh. is our little family and they are 13, so 10 and eight and a half. That's sweet. Yes. Very fun age. Yeah. Super fun age. Busy, but fun. It actually sounds also, Megan, like you are in the throes of sibling conflict. <laughs> we, we get our fair share of it here. <laughs> we all do. Every one of us as we have raised our kids. So we're all together in this yeah. world. Well, you are a certified parent coach and you are accepting clients for your own business, but you also work on staff, don't you, Megan? Yeah, I get to um, help train in new coaches who are coming through the coaches and training, we call them. It's our phase two part of the coaching process. And it has been so fun to walk with these coaches and training through the process of becoming a certified parent coach, meeting with people from all over the world, all of their stages of life. It's it's just a blast. It has been fun to see how that program or branch of Connected Families has just exploded so many parent coaches. Yeah. So hey, anybody want to meet, you know, if you want to meet with a coach, go to our website because there's a page there and you can look through all of the coaches that are certified and there's there's contact information to get a hold of them. So today we're going to talk about sibling conflict based on the workshop that you gave last fall at the Parent Summit. And so I'm just going to start off with this question, Megan. Do you have siblings and did you fight with them? Oh, <laughs> do I have siblings and did I fight with them? Yes, I have grew up with two brothers. I was the middle girl, older brother and younger brother. And I remember specifically after school sibling fights was like the thing that just comes to mind is like we would get home and it was just 
like no holds bar. And we being having both boys too, there was just, it was a very physical time as well. The conflict ended up being more physical than words where maybe girl families ends up being more words. But yes, we had our fair share of sibling conflict growing up. That's for sure. I sure did too. I was the oldest of four, but it was my sister was number two and her and I, we would get into it way too much for sure. And I really think my mom would have loved to have had the peas process, which is what we're going to talk about today. It's in our sibling conflict course, but it starts off with the parents and the kids all up on crazy mountain. And I feel like that describes my childhood. There's mom on crazy mountain. Like you can see her (laughs) there perfectly. (laughs) All her kids running around. We're all in crazy mountain together. Moms, kids, dads, everyone's there. So then the peace process that we have at Connected Families just allows allows us to get across and four steps. And, you know, it's not taking away the conflict, but it gives us these tools, which I think is so fabulous. So fabulous. And I love that it's four steps and we're going to get there. We're going to walk across the river. That's the little picture of the peace process. There's just four steps. It's one of my favorite tools actually here at Connected Families because it's easy to remember. And anyway, we're going to get into it in just a little bit, but let's talk just for a minute because, you know, sibling conflict raises so many emotions in us parents. And if there's anything that causes us to have even more difficulty staying calm. I think it's sibling conflict. I mean, maybe lying is one of them. That could be it too. But when our kids start fighting, it just raises a lot of emotion, doesn't it? Yeah, I think there's just gets to be so much anxiety in the home. And like, there's so it just gets so heightened. You know, we as parents just want to shut it down so quickly. We're like, nope, stop, done. There's no more of it. Like I can hear myself saying that all the time. And we try and match them. Our anger gets high and we're, we come in like fast, large and loud. It's very common. It happens, but it kind of creates that environment in the home where it just breeds more and more almost when that happens. Because I feel like I need to get as loud or louder than them because they're being so loud. I need to make sure I'm heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two against one or three against one where you're, you know, working against them and so of working together. So yeah, right. And there's so many dynamics to it all in that we've covered in other podcasts and in lots of blog posts, but it raises I think so much in us as parents because you know, we started off you and I talking about our own childhood. There's a lot of baggage from the sibling conflict we experienced as kids that comes into how we deal with the sibling conflict with our with our own children. So that's for another podcast. We didn't prepare ourselves to talk about yes, that, Megan. Yes. But, but I, I know that actually Lynn does talk about it in the sibling conflict course. Yeah. And I was going to say, Stacey, I think like you and I were both better for the wear because I did recently see a study that said that scientists are now confirming that fighting between brothers and sisters actually increases social skills, vocabulary, and development. So it was this study that was done at Cambridge University and it found a link between childhood sibling arguments and future success. So I think there's hope, right? Like it's it's like a normal thing. And the part I they don't say in this study is that we have an opportunity to do something with it too. Like it's not just the skills we're learning, but we are teaching them here. And that's kind of what I love about the peace process and really viewing sibling conflict as a discipleship tool that we get to use in our home. So think of the power that we'd have when we have this Cambridge research and then equipped with our connected families tools, like our kids are going to come out rock stars. Oh, 
I like that. So yes. So if your child is learning to be articulate in the midst of a fight, like using the words (laughs) to fight, (laughs) we are actually taking that and we're training that in a way that is useful. That is blessed to be a blessing. We use that phrase around here a lot too. So I like that. It would take parents to have kind of a mind shift though, wouldn't it? Like, because I think many of us is like, I need to shut the fighting down because it's too much and it's not good. And if we really got deep down, we don't like fighting. We just don't want it to happen. And that's why parents can react quick. You you mentioned fast, large, and loud. Like we just need to shut it down. You said that too, but it takes a brain shift to say, okay, whoa, this, this could be good. This could be an opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Say more about that. Yeah, I think when we can shift our idea around sibling conflict as an opportunity to disciple our kids in our home around how to handle conflict in a healthy way, like we are just giving them so many amazing tools that they'll use forever. You know, you think about we are relational beings, like God created us to be in relationship. So we have relationships when we're at home with our siblings, but that's going to carry out for our relationships with coworkers, with in-laws. And so when we're teaching them at home how to handle that and how to handle that conflict that will inevitably come, it's just, it's better. It's what we're called to do. I feel like, you know, what God wants us to be in right relationship. And that's a big thing with the sibling conflict is we want to restore the right relationship that they have with each other. And so just for me, it was so big to have that shift in perspective to see this as a really great opportunity opportunity to disciple my kids in that way. Yeah. And this is a skill they're going to use forever. You talked about coworkers. This four-step process that we're going to walk through can be used with their future partner. Yeah. So that feels really good that we're teaching our kids a skill they'll use forever. Let's talk about the biblical side of it, our faith and how that integrates with sibling conflict. Yeah, I think, you know, I said that, you know, God had created us to be in right relationship. And so it's really even a biblical mandate in Matthew 5, 23 through 24. It says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. And so when we're making sure that we are in right relationship with our siblings, we're obeying God and what he wants and what he has for us in that relationship. So it's pretty powerful when we can look at it that way too. Yeah. And that's another thing that I love about this tool is that sometimes we see these verses in scripture, but the how is kind of missing. Like, how do I do that? How do I teach my kids? What does that look like? It can feel like a weak effort. Mm. That, that you do. So so I just love that this is sort of a complete process that we're going to be teaching. And, you know, if anyone wants to hear more about just this idea of the value of reconciliation, I did a podcast with Jim and Lynn. It was fantastic. Episode 140 is called Restoring Relationships, Empowering Our Kids to Want to Reconcile and Heal. So you can go and check that one out. Thank you, Cece. That made me think of is Like I love the peace process. And like I I think I've already mentioned, it really gives me a tool to help with the kids. But I I think it's important to say too, that the peace process doesn't remove the conflict. (laughs) It's not, we're not saying that like this, you know, four-step process, do this and you will no longer have sibling conflict. Like that's just not realistic. There will be conflict. But I just love that I'm equipped now as a parent 
to kind of know how to go into it. That's just kind of really hopeful for me. We're shifting our perspective as parents that this conflict is good because it's not going to go away. It is something that we will always live with. As long as we are on this earth, we are not in heaven. We are people who are dealing with our own sin, with our children's sin. And and so we're going to have conflict with one another because we are really at our core selfish people. But you're right. This peace process does equip us to work through that and to make right the places that we've made wrong. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about that. Okay. So let's talk about the peace process. Let's talk about the crazy mountain that we mentioned in the beginning of the, the podcast here. So we're on crazy mountain. Things are crazy. It's actually a volcano. I think in the image, you can see the smoke and the fire and the bubbles are coming up and we've all been there right? in ourselves and our kids and all the things. And so in the picture, which everyone can tap through the show notes and see a link to it. We have to come down off the mountain and there's four rocks to get across the river. Yeah. You get across the river too. I don't know. We, I think we named it, Megan. Is it reconciliation oasis? Wait, yes. I think that's where we're, that's where we're headed. <laughs> that's where we want to be is reconciliation oasis. That's right. Okay. What's the first stop? Well, the first stop, the first rock is calm. But I actually like what you said, Stacey, is I have to come off of Crazy Mountain first before I even get to that first one. So I'm like throwing in like awareness is actually like before, like, hold on, I'm on Crazy Mountain here. So the first step, the first rock is calm, you know, and so it's really important that we as parents in this whole process stay one step ahead of our kids. You know, we can't come in and say, you guys need to calm down. I mean, that's not really going to work because I'm not calm myself. So if I can stay calm ahead of them, that's kind of the first process, the first step. Okay. Well, I mentioned in the top of the show that we have a few free resources that we've been offering to our community. One is for helping your kids calm down. One is for the parents, for us, how to calm down. How do you calm down? Megan? Yeah. I mean, it's been a learning process for sure. I think knowing what's going on inside of me is big and why am I getting so upset about this? But big things for me calming down is I have to like, and my kids are old enough now where I can remove myself. Mm -hmm. I kind of have to walk away and collect myself. Breathing is really big for me. I mean, just saying a little prayer, like, Lord, can you please help me as I interact with these kids right now? Just help them, you know, to teach them your grace right now and give them your grace and truth. So breathing was really big for me, stepping aside, coming back to it and praying. Those are really the big things that help me to calm down in the heat of a sibling conflict. That's good. We did do a podcast too, <laughs> mentioning a few of them, but it's episode 110. Why calm down? Saying calm down just doesn't work. Yeah. There's a lot of brain science around that. Yeah. We'll have these in the show notes, including those, those resources. So anyone can tap through, but okay. So now you've recognized we're on crazy mountain right here. I'm even not feeling calm. Like I'm getting elevated. So you've worked to calm yourself down by taking a breath and praying, asking the Lord. So then how do you help your kids calm down? Yeah, I think for me, it's knowing your kids really well and what works for them, right? That's a big, a big part of it. My boys specifically are very physical. And so I know that what's going to help them to calm down is to like move their body. That is going to be the best way. So when there's conflict with the boys, we separate. That's huge just for them to get apart. And then we usually say, can you go out to the garage and shoot 50 pucks? 
when you feel like you've been able to calm down, we can come back and talk about this. Or can you go outside and rollerblade for a while and come back, take a breath? You know, fresh air is so good for them. Physical activity is so good for them. My daughter, she's a little different. She likes more alone time and like to like color or draw or go up in her room and read. She just needs to like retreat herself in that way. So she'll do that. And the boys, it's definitely more physical activity. Do you have a calm down word in your family? We don't. I think it would be so fun. I think the one I gave in the workshop as an example was marshmallow. It's a code word. It's a calm down code word. When things get really heated and you kind of just need to have everyone stop. It's just a word that your family agrees on ahead of time. Like when mom yells marshmallow, we know that we have to stop and work to getting to our calm place. And so mm-hmm. marshmallow is a fun one. You know, I think a stop sign, if you have younger kids that can even be on like the fridge or where you experience conflict most, where you can just even point to the stop sign and be like, okay, we need to, we need to calm down. Mm-hmm. We need to take some breaths and figure out what we're doing. Lots of great tricks. And even like you said, the the link at the beginning with all of those great examples, knowing your kids and what they need is huge for that. Mm-hmm. And try one. And if it's just not quite as effective as you'd like, then try another one. Yeah, the PDF, the free resource for kids has lots and lots of ideas in it. But it does strike me that if you're going to have a stop sign there, or you're going to do a calm down word, that means you've had a conversation ahead of time. Yeah, I think those that can happen in family meetings, that can happen or should happen. Most of the time, it's best to happen when things are calm. We don't want to introduce these things when it's like when we're on crazy mountain, it's not going to be very effective if we're trying to implement these things. But it's something you agree on ahead of time when the kids can talk about it when they are in a place and in a state where their body's calm, they're thinking rationally, we're thinking rationally, and we've, we've got a plan to help us when it gets heated. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And I'll bring in a little bit of what we teach in the Power of Questions course, because that family meeting, you can come to the kids with Wow, we have moments when things get real crazy and we can even all laugh about Crazy Mountain. Like, did you see mom? I was bubbling like a (laughs) volcano yesterday and I didn't like that. And I don't like it when I feel that way. And I think things do get crazy. And I'm wondering if we all have some ideas for what we could each do. And maybe it's different. Each one has their own idea. What we can do when things start to get a little bit crazy and we recognize that we're all on crazy mountain. And then it's it's fun. It's a fun conversation because we bring everyone in and yeah. let's explore ideas together. And it's really a team atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. it feels yeah. it feels like we're all in this together when you do it that yep. way. I love that. Works a lot better than, whoa, you're on Crazy Mountain. You need to go rollerblade right (laughs) now. Right. Well, I'm on there with you, so I should probably go rollerblade too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I like that. Okay. So we've gotten to calm and we move to the next rock. What's that? The next rock is understand. So with understand, we need to look at a lot of things. Like I mentioned before, we need to stay one step ahead. And before we can expect our kids to understand how their brother or their sister feels, we have to understand how our kids are feeling. And so thinking about outside factors that are coming into play with the kids. So are they de-stressing from a really hard day? Are they hangry? Um, are there sensory issues? Are they feeling discouraged? This discouragement was a big one for me. I knew when my son was sitting at the counter doing his homework, he was feeling so discouraged. And if his brother or sister even looked at him wrong, it was not going to be good. But I knew that about him, knowing that about him, I can help 
understand that, okay, this is a sibling conflict could arise because of this. So that's a big one. Even, you know, marital stress, even excitement, like Christmas and vacation, those kind of things can be breeding ground for sibling conflict. So when we can understand our kids, then we can help them understand themselves first and also really increase empathy by understanding their brother and their sister and where they're coming from too. I think that's so good because we can be in the middle of the sibling conflict and, you know, can't you see you hurt your sister or brother or look at, you know, look at your sister. She's crying. Don't you feel bad? Like about what happened? And those kind of phrases are actually pouring on shame and what's wrong with you. Don't you have empathy? Can't you see, you know, what happened? And, and so you're flipping that and saying, our kids will have a hard time showing that empathy toward their siblings if we're not giving it to them. (laughs) So in, in the way that I was just describing, I was not having empathy for my child. Right. Yeah. So if we can come in, I think to the conflict, once they're calmed down and, and really be able to empathize, like, Oh, this is so hard. Like the game you lost with your brother, that was really hard. And that's a big deal for you and understanding where they're coming from, that that's, that's a big deal and not dismiss it or, you know, shove it under the rug that it's not a big deal because to them, it clearly is. And we can say that right here. We're on the rock of understanding because we know we're going to solve, which Mm -hmm. is going to be, they're going to make right what they made wrong. Yep. But at this stage, we want everyone to know that we get you. Yeah, we get you. We get what's going on here. The other pieces that's really great in the understanding rock is thinking about what skills we want to build in our kids too. So we talk in connected families about, you know, that your kids are called and capable. And this is kind of where I see that in this process. For example, I have one child who he can get pretty quiet and not stand up for himself as much as when he needs to, he can, you know, fall victim a little bit more easily. And so I know, and I see in him, like, I want to build this skill of him standing up for himself, for this confidence that he has, and for, you know, him being able to advocate for himself. And so when there's sibling conflict with him, I really work on helping him to use his voice. Can you tell your brother how that made you feel? Can you do, you know, instead of telling me about it, I want you to talk to him about it. I think that could be it could end up being a thing, you know, long-term where maybe he never learns how to stand up for himself when he was wronged. So that's a skill I see that I want to build in him. And then I can use that when there is sibling conflict to help show him that he can do this. And I remember that sometimes then the working through understanding would, things would start to get heated again. (laughs) And maybe then we'd have to jump back to calm rock. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily linear. There can be some back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. We we can skip around a little bit and that's okay. And it's also messy and that's okay too. But once we've worked through understand, is there any point that you know you're ready to move to the next rock? That's a great question. I think when they're both at a place where they understand each other, I know that seems really easy, but you know, if if you sense that you're not having to go back to calm again, like are we continuing to get worked up and go back? Do we feel like we're both in a good place? of understanding where we know our kids so well. I think parents don't give themselves enough credit for just knowing your kids. Like, is it showing true empathy? Do you really see that they're able to connect with their sibling on this and understand where they're coming from? And that looks different for all different stages. You know, my kids are a little bit older, so they can verbalize that. Like, what do you think that made them feel like? And young kids Mm -hmm. can too. And sometimes with younger kids, we might have to give them the words a little bit. Do you think that made them feel sad or having them use a feeling chart? But 
you can sense it. I think there's, I think parents need to be confident in knowing like, okay, I think we, I think they understand where the other person Mm -hmm. is coming from and and knowing that it naturally almost just moves towards, okay, I think we're ready to, to go to the next rock. I think you're right. And sometimes it takes a little bit of time and sometimes it can be quick. Yeah. And so to just to really be ready to flow with how the conversation goes, I think is important to say. The thing I wanted to mention too is I think there was one of the families that I actually talked about in the workshop too, is they stayed in like the calm. We're kind of backing up here, but they stayed in calm for weeks. They didn't even mm. move to like learning how to understand yet because they knew that they really wanted to teach their girls how to calm down and how to do that well. And that might be with each of the rocks where it's like, okay, we might not be to the solve point yet, but we really are working on empathy and understanding each other. So we're going to hit this hard for all sibling conflicts for the next couple of weeks. So it's okay. It doesn't have to be this like mathematical formula that you work through. I love it. Cause it gets back to one of the principles that we just teach over and over again, like we are here to grow wisdom in our kids. There's so much wisdom in each one of these steps or these rocks that we're working on that is a lifetime skill that we're growing in our kids. So don't be afraid to stay there for a little bit. I like it. Okay, we're going to move to the next one, the third one, which is solve. And so the big idea with solve is we want to restore the relationship. You know, we want to make right what was wrong. That's the goal for all of this. It's not just to like wrap it up in a cute little bow and be like, oh, we solved the problem. When relationships are broken, we want them to be made right. And so you mentioned asking questions and asking questions is a huge tool that we can use in helping kids solve problems. And so, you know, even, you know, simple questions like what's going on in here? When we do that, our tone and our body posture is really important when we're asking those kind of things. How do you want to solve this so that everyone feels cared for? You know, so then they're giving both parties and the opportunity to to talk about that. Or even like, have you solved this conflict before? What did you do that solved it before? Why can't we take turns? Or what would it look like if we took turns? What would you wish you would have done differently? And that's something you can ask even at the end. But the questions are such a great way to build wisdom in our kids and knowing that they have it in themselves. So if we can ask those curious questions to them to help them solve, that can be a huge, a huge piece in the solve. That's really good. And I mean, if kids are really little, sometimes they need ideas to help. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they don't. Sometimes when they're little, it's just like, well, you have it first and I'll have it second, or I'll have it first and you'll have it second, or, you know, the the solve comes really quickly and easily. Sometimes when they're older, it can, or it can get a lot more complicated. I don't know. It goes back and forth. Yeah. But I think what I want to say is that as parents, we want to help as much as is needed. Mm-hmm. And not more. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love that you said we start with questions because we can ask some questions and see if they have some answers. Yeah. And then if they're struggling, then I can offer some options. Yep. Well, yeah. what about this or what about that? If we're doing the solve and there needs to be, you know, some consequences that are in place for something, attaching it to what happened is always so important. So mm-hmm. if you've got little kids or big kids who end up hurting each other by hitting. So, okay, you know, we talk about like you used your hands to hurt. How do you use your hands to heal now? And that might be drawing a picture for your brother that you hurt, or it might be, you know, he, he needs to go pick up, this is a personal example, a hundred pucks. I can go help him do that. 
I can make it right by going to help him do that. What ways can we mend that? Words can be a hard thing in our house right now too. As they get older, that tongue can be so sharp. And so we really teach them to try and do the four true and kinds. You know, if there was something that was said that can be really hurtful, how do we say four true and kind things about your brother or sister? And making the difference between a compliment and an affirmation. (laughs) We can be like, I really like your hair. I mean, yes, we really like your hair, but let's, can we go deeper? (laughs) I really loved when my kids got a little bit older and had money and it was, okay, I'll take you to Starbucks and I'll buy you a coffee. (laughs) That is so great. Yeah. When they're willingly giving up their hard earned money to bless the other one, that can, that's pretty sweet. Right. To make it right. And and then if I was in it, then when I would get a coffee date, it was like, mom, how can I make it right? You can take me to coffee. That's what you can do. Love I love it. Well, <laughs> another one that we had with our boys is like making the relationship right. Like we said, is the main goal. So it was this summer and one of the neighbor boys came up and knocked on the door and wanted to, to play with one of the boys. And he was like, yeah, I don't have anything going on. Let's go. He's ready to run out the door. He's like, mom, I'm going to go play. And I'm like, eh, have yep. you made right what was wrong with your brother before? I don't want you to invest in this other relationship before you make right this relationship that's really important at home. So I'm like, I'm, I would love for you to go play with your friend, but this needs to be done first. You know, being able to, and it's not just a quick, I'm sorry then. Like, what does that look like is gonna be different for everyone, but how can they make that relationship right again? Because we care so much about restoration and making right and bringing our relationships, especially in our family unit, it's with everyone, but in our family unit, these are the important places that we invest. And so that's good. Okay. We, we are at the last rock. The last rock is celebrate. So we have come through calm, calm down, worked to understand each other and how each other is feeling. And then we've solved it. So how can we solve the conflict? And so the kids have come to a solution. They made a plan. And so now we get to celebrate that. So let's talk about that. Yeah, celebrate. I think it just gets overlooked a lot. You solve and you move on, right? But this is what gets celebrated gets remembered. And I love that because I just think of like, I want you guys to remember this. Like you can do this. You can work through this. So we're going to celebrate it. And celebrating can look so different and all different levels. You know, it could be physical affection if you're you know comfortable with a hug or a high five or a fist bump. It, if there's time allows you do a fun activity together. Like oh, you guys worked so hard to do that. How about we play a game together and I'll help you. Well, I'll be there with you. Ones that I've used with my kids, not that they're older, is taking a picture together and sending it to me. So they were playing a game together and it got kind of out of control. We did the peace process. And I was like, when you guys are done, I want you to play the game again together. And then when you're done, send me a picture of you guys having fun. And they did that. And it was just so, it's so sweet. And now we have this like memory of it too, of them celebrating that they did it and they were able to work through it. So it's just, it's a big thing. Celebrating is something that I think we miss a lot. I remember giving them both like a dollar to go into McDonald's and get an ice cream cone together. You're dating yourself, but that would be great. (laughs) (laughs) It might've been a little bit more than a dollar. They love that. Or I would just give them money to go and get what they wanted at like run into the grocery store on the way home from school and you could get something what you want. Yeah. They were a little older to be able to go in by themselves at that point, but 
Yeah. Celebrating is so important for all that we do, the changes that we want to make in ourselves and our kids. Like when we can celebrate even, even small wins, because I, I think about when I was just starting to learn the peace process and using it with my kids, there were probably times that I would say I got to the end and I was like, I don't know. I, I think we got through it. I think it's good. We sure bounced rocks back and forth a little bit, but you know, but I would just say like you got through it. Like there was work that was done to even understand the four rocks, to work through the rocks. There is celebrating to do. Yeah. We can celebrate any little bit of progress and that will propel us to further growth in the future. Yeah. And another thing too, is celebrating along the way. I think, you know, one of the ideas, even with younger kids, and I'm bringing up the hitting again, but recognizing that if your child is prone to hitting, and they didn't hit, like call that out and celebrate that. It sounds so silly, but it's like, Oh, look at that. I know that it's really hard for you not to hit your brother or sister, but I just saw that you didn't. And that's so great. So we're celebrating, even though we haven't come to this full utopia, but we're celebrating along the way. And that builds confidence in our kids too. I like that. Yeah. So as parents, like this is why that shift that we talked about in the beginning is so important. The shift away from all conflict is bad to Mm -hmm. now, no, conflict is an opportunity Conflict actually could even grow some really great skills in my kids that they will need in the future. This conflict is actually offering me the opportunity to to teach them a tool that they're going to be able to use for the rest of their life. So I have this brain shift, which means that now I can stay calmer and I can look for the good in what's going on throughout the process. And that's what allows me to be able to celebrate those wins all along the way to recognize my child didn't hit. Wow, that's great. Last time he might have. So I really want to celebrate that. That's the celebrating all the way. And then this rock of celebration is really for your kids. Yeah, Like let them celebrate in whatever way you guys all decide seems great. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I like that. Okay, so we were talking about the peace process, which is what we suggest the tool for walking through conflict in the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. But what about helping our kids with sibling conflict outside of the moment? Yeah, I I think it's a huge benefit to us as parents and to really foster the relationship your kids have with each other outside of that conflict. It kind of makes you think like, why would they want to restore something that wasn't really good? So really focusing on the good and like, example I have is my oldest and my youngest were having a hard time with each other. It was just they were butting heads a lot. And so I could see that we needed to work on their relationship a little bit. And so the opportunity arose where they happened to be the only two home. And so I was like, okay, you guys are in a good place. What would be something fun that you two can do together? And they chose to play a game. And so then I was just really intentional about them setting this up with each other. And I'm like, you guys can play this game together. And then when you're done, you can do your own thing. But knowing that I'm building that relationship with them ahead of time, is going to help during the peace for us to be like, oh, I really like them. I do want to resolve this. So we kind of give them something that, to go back to. I remember when I was thinking about that and just how can I set my kids up to deepen their relationship with each other? And I remember there were some birthdays coming up in our family, extended family. And so I would give them the money that I would spend on the gift. 
and they would have to decide what gift to get and then go buy it. This is, they were a little bit older, probably more like middle school at the time, but they had to work together to do that. And I loved just trying to be creative yeah. in figuring out ways in our daily life that they could work together on something and to even bring out their own skills. Like, you know, one is good at this and the other one is good at that. So instead of just helping out, like, I think you need to go ask your sister. She's really good at that. Yeah. Can you work together? I love that. Like we're big on we're very busy with all the schedules, but if you're around and your brother or sister has a game, we're going to go support them. You know, like we get to go do that. It's not a half, mm-hmm. like we get to go cheer them on and celebrate that, you know, it's just keeping that family unit intact. And that way is super important for us instead of us all end up ending up being this island on our own. Good. Well, I know parents have asked me, I remember asking this question also, but I think I'll ask you, Megan, just to pray for parents, because this is, this is a highly emotive issue. But the question is this, like we've walked through the process, it can take time. So I can hear the parents saying, Whoa, that is a lot. I mean, we have fights all day long sometimes. So do you have any answer to that question of like, do we do this every time my child is my children are having a conflict? That's a great question too, because it it can seem overwhelming and exhausting to be like, I don't have time in the day to do the peace process every time that there's a fight. I think knowing when there is a broken relationship, knowing when that relationship has been severed is when we want to do the peace process because we want to make right what was made wrong and repair and restore the relationship. So that's the filter I tend to use it through. There can be a lot of scuffles where we may may move past like the understand, solve, celebrate pretty quickly and not spend a ton of time on it. But when I can tell that one of them is hurt, you know, really bad by what happened, that's when we're going to like dig into it and really put the time in. So yeah, that's kind of when the relationship has been broken is kind of when we Mm want to focus on it. I like that when the relationship has been broken, when feelings are really, really hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think I introduced it to my kids outside of a conflict. So I printed off the page, the picture, and we just talked through it. And so that they knew the next time we had a big conflict, this is how I wanted us to practice walking through it. And what I loved is that they learned it really pretty quickly and started doing it themselves until it got to a point where I was like, do you need me to help you walk through the peace process? Or I would even say, is this a peace process conflict? Like, so that language of how, how bad is this right now? And sometimes they'd be like, no, it's fine. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. Teaching them, I think is a huge piece of it. I'm so glad you mentioned that. It's like, they're capable of knowing. And like, we have those great graphics of helping kids understand what we do. And that's the goal is not for us to be there every time walking them through the process, but to equip them to walk through it with their conflict themselves. Well, Megan, thanks for being with us today. We'll have your information in the show notes too, in case anyone would like to get a hold of you. But because I know that this topic does raise a lot of emotion in parents, I would just love it if we could end our podcast today with you just praying for our community and anyone that is walking through a hard time. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for 
um, just this connected families community. And just for the parents who are listening, parents who are in the trenches, who are walking through a lot of conflict when things seem really, really hard at home. I pray, Lord, that you would see these parents, that they would feel seen, that they would feel known, and that they would feel loved. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to shift their perspective on sibling conflict as an opportunity to show your grace and truth to their kids. Just to think of like, how much grace and truth you give to us and that um, we can just overflow that into into our homes. Lord, I just pray for the, the tired, worn out parent who is really just had enough of the sibling conflict. I pray for peace in their home, knowing that you can restore all things. I pray for right relationships within siblings, within marriages, within homes, within all relationships, Lord. I pray that you would just help us to use these tools for to build your kingdom, which is in right relationship with you and with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for being on the podcast today, Megan. Thanks for having me. It was so fun. Well, thanks for tuning in today, friends. We are a listener-supported organization. Over 50,000 parents like you listen to this podcast every month. Individual donations make the work to equip and encourage families possible. For more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time.